0: The miracle of Mesopotamia begins deep in the great sweep of peaks and lakes that form the eastern Taurus Range, beneath an unremarkable mountain called Kora. There, in a narrow, steep-sided canyon, a rough stream tumbles along its base until it reaches a cavernous opening, 30 feet high. The entrance is violent, boulder-strewn. Damp air fills with a rumbling that starts deep inside and exhales against the current as a perpetual roar. There's rarely anyone around to see it, but, at dawn, mist-like breath drifts out from eddying pools in the unlit mouth of the chasm. This, the Assyrians decided three millennia ago, was the source of the Tigris. Close by rises the Euphrates, and, to the south, an otherwise arid and resource-poor floodplain is transformed. Now we call that area the Cradle of Civilization, where the birth of the city-state led to the invention of the wheel and the written word. To that list of firsts, we could also add codified legal systems, schools, sailing boats, beer brewing, and love songs. For those and more, gratitude should be paid to the Tigris, along which I travelled and on whose current you will join me in this book. But before that, let me tell you what else I know of the river. For thousands of years, the Tigris and Euphrates have acted as a lung, breathing life into what the Greeks called Mesopotamia, or the land between two rivers. That name stuck, at least from the end of classical antiquity, until a flurry of new terms in the last couple of hundred years culminated with the post-Ottoman breakup. Now, most of ancient Mesopotamia is encompassed in the modern state of Iraq, a hundred-year-old guardian of the history of the world. The two rivers are best understood as twins, born from a single, deep trench. That was during the last ice age, 16,000 years ago, and when the ice melted, the two entities we now know are separated. Their courses have changed a little over the years, particularly in the south, where the gradient is gentler, but mostly their nature and direction have remained consistent. From the headwaters, the Euphrates meanders around modern Turkey, finding manic courses through high mountains, then pitches east as if heading for the Mediterranean. In Syria, it comes within 100 miles of the sea, then relents, turning back towards the Tigris and settling into a broad, slow channel. The Tigris is the keener of the two, shorter but faster. It pierces south through the heart of Iraq, and the two meet at Kurna, close to the marshes that historically regulated the flow of the rivers. From there, they surge as one to the Gulf, joined by the Karun coming in from Iran. Water, historically at least, was everywhere in Mesopotamia. From the northern mountains to the southern marshlands, and moved cyclically. Precipitation up high met with snowmelt that drained into tributaries that fed the rivers that washed to the Gulf. This evaporated and was carried back to the north to begin again. When my life first led me to go walking in northern Iraq, which is also a part of this story, I wondered how it would be to follow those showers to the ocean. The geography of the Taurus and Zagros Required inhabitants follow the season as nomads and, in the deserts beyond the watershed, Bedouin moved among a network of wells to survive. But in the lowlands, the alluvial deposits from the rivers created a vast plain, capable of great abundance, but limited by a lack of natural resources. What it needed was for humankind to learn to settle, to divert the rivers into tessellations of irrigation canals, and to work this resulting fertile earth. Around 10,000 BC, hunter-gatherers came down from the mountains to the north of Mesopotamia, where there was still enough rain to nurture a culture of nascent crop planting and animal husbandry. These were the first farmers, and, 40 centuries of practice later, they began slowly to move farther south, onto the floodplain. Within another four millennia, settlers had spread throughout what is now modern Iraq, and the formation of early city-states at natural ports and confluence points followed their agricultural mastery. In time, these became major centers of power and influence. Political capital flowed up and downstream with the products of the ancient commercial world. Great cities and cultures grew, but always they depended on the mood of the rivers. The annual inundations created years of plenty and years of scarcity, depending on the volume and timing of rainfall and snowmelt. Too much water, or not enough, these were the concerns of the Mesopotamian cultivators who created a civilization rival only by the ancient Egyptians.